0: Okay, sir, three of four on the road west coast or east coast trip, I should say. Um, starts in Canada with three games and then a loss in the fourth game in Boston last night. Not too bad, right?
1: Well, you take that kind of road trip any day of the week because i give you a heck of a winning percentage. You know very well you'd be sitting up there in the league uh, high with those kind of uh, wins on a road.
0: Why do you think Lou that this team uh, and I believe now that they're at 11 wins on the road and 10 at home? Why do you think this team tends to see uh, just, uh, seems to click on the road as much or more than, than home ice, where they were fantastic a year ago? What's your theory well, there?
1: Usually, you know, when you're at home, you play better, you play looser, you got the crowd behind you, and that gets you revved up. But- uh, occasionally, uh, sometimes, especially when you're not playing well or you're not scoring goals like you should be,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're having some difficulty, then you start pressing. You start putting more pressure on yourself. <laughs> you're not as loose. You're not as reactive to a play as you should be. And then uh, it just seems to mount the more, the more uh, it happens, the more often it happens. And so it's something that uh, I think you get you get out of it by feeling good about your game. And when you come back from a road trip, even though they got beat, you know, badly in Boston, they were a tired team. They got in three o'clock in the morning. You could see that game. That there's no question about it. That uh, they just weren't in that hockey game at all. Plus no. the fluky goals that Boston got early. I mean, some of those deflections, they, they were they wouldn't happen again in the the rest of the year for a couple of those guys.
0: True, true. I thought well, last week when they go to uh, Toronto, Lou. Seven seconds in, right? First goal, I thought to myself, this is going to be a complete disaster, this entire trip. And and to their credit, though, they, they came back, they they won that game, they beat the Sens on on Saturday and shut out Montreal on uh, Monday. But when you see a goal scored against you at the start of a four-game road trip, seven seconds in, I thought this thing's going to be an unmitigated disaster for that team.
1: Well, I, I felt the same way for a number of reasons. One, you're playing in the <laughs> in a building against a team that's one of the best in the league. Yep. And, uh, you know, you just think that team's going to have a, a field day that night. Secondly, you weren't playing well yourself, and you're having trouble scoring goals. So when you look at that kind of start, you, you know, it's uh, it's one that you, you have to right away get very concerned about. But uh, as you said, they battled back, and they battled back all throughout the whole road trip they played solid. Even in Boston, when they got beat last night 4 nothing. Uh, the second period, they, they dominated Boston, and they were a tired team. If they fought back. They fought hard. They just couldn't get anything to go in.
0: What is your, your read on this team now? I mean, if, if I was to ask you about halfway through its schedule, um, give me what you think of this team, what would your response be to me?
1: Same thing that I said at the beginning of the year. You're going to be up and down all year long. They're going to be in the bubble for a playoff position. And depending on the health of that team, Yep. Plus, the, the goaltending, they get the rest of the way, whether they make the playoffs
0: or not. All right. So, so to boil that down more, Dubnik, he starts off fantastic, right, Lou? I mean, he was, right. to start the year, he was unbelievable. He's the best in the league. Yes, no question. And then he goes yeah. through the, the Dubnik sort of the blip where he's not playing as well, and you start to want to at least see Staylock a little bit more. I'm not saying that Staylock should start all the time. And I think by this trip again, uh, he, he gave up the goal early in Toronto and he was not great in the first period at Toronto but the rest of that Toronto game I think he, he was good. The game on Saturday he was very good. In Montreal he was phenomenal. Um do you see adjustments there or like what why do you see him at times playing as you just said as the best goalie in the league and then you go through periods where it wanes a little bit. What's your assessment?
1: Well, you know, when he was when he had the, the bad month and it, really, it was really the whole month was bad. He was consistently letting in a bad goal. And I, I you know, sometimes uh, when you're in that frame in that of mind when those things are happening, uh, maybe rest is the best thing to do. Get you out of the game, get refocused. And he continued to play a lot. But whatever happened, uh, working with Bob Mason, getting his positioning better, getting, you know, getting uh, maybe just a lot more confidence in the net. Oh, yep. I got to tell you, even though, he, and he played great in, in the strip. He was sensational. Yep. But the goal that he let in two games ago was on the short side. Those are the only things that's bothered me, mm-hmm. are the short side goals. They should not be scoring short side goals on him. And, and uh, I think that that's the only thing, and that was bothering him before. In, uh, whether, and whether he should be closer to the pipe, I would think it just, you know, I know the goal thing is different now, and they play down <laughs> low all the time. Yes. Now. But no matter which way you played, when you're in the angles, as far as I'm concerned, you got to be flat to the pipe. You got to be against the pipe all the way up because there's nothing for the shooter to, to shoot for if they got no wings no at all, and the only ones that, that bothered him and been his main trouble yep. have been short side goals.
0: So to that point, tell me this because I've I've observed the same thing about Dubnik and short side goals that you just talked about, Lou. Is this a problem for him, or is this a problem league-wide? I swear to God that I see, and this is also a credit to how precise and pinpoint guys are at shooting the puck these days, but I swear that you see way more short-side, impossible angle, there's there's no way that that guy just scored that uh, type of goal today than you did 10, 15 years back.
1: No doubt about that, especially 15, 20 years back. And I'll tell you the biggest reason. You see, the shortside goal has bothered me a lot. But I do accept the shortside goal up high, which you're seeing a lot of. And the reason why I accept it is because of the style that they're playing now. They're playing down low. So the goaltenders, if you look at them, they, they all play from bottom up rather than top down. Yes. In, in the past year, I saw check a money, I don't care, Pratt, everybody else. Coins you know, uh, are going down the butterfly a bit more. But all the goaltenders were were stand-up gold Brodeur, until he left. He, he was the best. And, uh, Patrick Waugh. you know. They all covered the, ups, uh, the top part because they were a stand-up test. Mm-hmm. Well, now when you're playing lore, you're going to have that opportunity to put them up there. And as you said, these guys are so adept at, at shooting some shots and, and uh, accurate that they're putting them high under, underneath the crossbar on the short side. And you'll, I'm seeing way more than those I've ever seen in my life. And I think that that's a result of the style of the goaltender. What bothers me is that dubin was letting a short side low, because that you got to be flat against the point. Okay, okay.
0: Because I see guys take uh, take shots too that, that at one time probably w- would have got them benched. I mean, I see guys take shots from a- angles, and I say that that's no shot at all,
1: and the puck goes in. Well, that's why the theme has always been, Judge. It's never wrong to shoot the puck at the net. Yeah. Because you never know when it's going to go in. We, you know, you follow the game long enough, you seen every kind of weird goal possible. Mm-hmm. When you never expect goals to go in. So uh, the biggest problem the Wild have had for a long time this year has been not getting shots on goal in outnumbered situations. That's true. And, and, and even on breakaway, you put it over the net, by the net, rather than on it. Somewhere, somehow. you got to hit part of the net with your shot. If you don't, you're not going to score the goal when you're on a breakaway. So.
0: Yes. The, the name, when you say that, the name that comes to mind for me immediately, Zucker, because he's got a really yeah. good shot. He can score goals. But I swear to God, I don't think I see a guy miss opportunities. And, and by that, I mean it's right there. The shot's there, and he misses the net. Then the Jason net. Zucker. Yeah, it drives you crazy when, when you watch it.
1: Yeah, he goes through the upper corner, which is good a lot of times. Well, the bad part is that he doesn't put it there. He puts it over to the net. But uh but I can understand, you know, going for that's that's a good place to put it. It's harder for the goaltender to get. But if you don't hit the net in the quicker, then then you get frustrated because some way, somehow you gotta put the shot on net. So at least it gives it a chance to go in the goal. Absolutely.
0: Uh why do you think this Coyle Cunning Parisi combination is so good together?
1: Because they play a similar style. They're hunting the puck, they're going after it, and when they give it up they go back after. I, I really like the pressure that they're putting on the puck area, wherever it is and whenever it is. So they not only are, they get, you know, maybe they're following Zach because nobody's motor goes more constant than his. He's always going. And they're doing the same thing. Corlin, Cullen are following too. Their legs are always moving. They're always in motion. When they got the puck, they're moving. They're, you know, creating opportunities, getting opportunities. When they lose the puck, they go after the puck and they're going after it the same way. Hard, pressed. And consistently. So hey, they're playing a similar style, all three guys, and they're playing a style that uh, fortunately for them gives them opportunity to win battles on the boards because yep. they're pretty good at battling for pucks on the boards. They come up with more pucks on the boards, I think, than anybody else on the team as a know, A cord will usually come up with pucks on the boards and install, but because of their size. But overall, I mean, even Granlin, he's good at fishing enough, but these guys really hunt the puck down, and, and they get it.
0: Is Has Ch- uh, Charlie found a, a home now? Because I always, I told you for like two years, I, I liked him at wing potentially because of the fact that he could go in, in front of that and cause havoc. But at center now, at least on this line, he seems to be as comfortable as I've seen him in a long time.
1: Well, I know I wouldn't be touching that, long, that line for a while. Uh, I've seen too many good things happen, that I, even if they had a soft spot. You might, if he ever breaks them up, it wouldn't be long. In my mind, he shouldn't, because you got to give him a chance to get back to doing what they're doing so well.
0: Why do you think now? Because in in my day, watching you guys play, line combinations were put together, and if they were were successful, they basically were given a lot of time uh, to stay playing together. Why do you think coaches now are so apt to break lines up compared to you know nineteen eighty
1: nine or so, Louis? Well, in 89, 79, 69, a lot of things were different then and and, and the coaching was different because even when you say lines stay together, and I agree with you, like you take the seventies, uh, I remember, you know, our lines stayed together a great deal. But if we went playing Montreal Canadiens, I got to tell you, during the game, Scotty would mix them up a lot sometimes on you.
0: Okay. And and,
1: and uh, Jacques Lemaire did it, you know, quite a bit too. But I think that. Uh, it, it all depends on who you got, as, your skill and your talent and what you got. But overall, I agree with you. I think that uh, in the past, there's no way that the majority of coaches didn't give their lines a longer leash than they are given today. And and um, maybe because, uh, you know, scoring's down now from what it used to be, and, and if they're not scoring, they, they, the coaches are searching, constantly searching, to find something might work, but uh, they they you know, unquestionably have, have given shorter leashes to their lines than they used to.
0: Best line that, that you have uh, seen in your time watching the sport? Is is there one that stands out to you?
1: Oh, well, I, I can't see the best line because there's so many. It was Howard Delvecchio and Lindsay for crying was unbelievable. Then it went Howard Delvecchio-Mohavich.
0: Now and that's going I, way
1: back. I remember back. one game, I remember one game we're playing in there. And before the game, I'm sitting right beside J.P. Priest. And, and J.P. Uh, and Blair comes in and he says, Okay, J.P., you, Billy Collins and Boudreaux, you check how Belvecchio uh, and like, they are old or slow. You check them, do a job, and then we'll win the game. So we came after the game. I sat down and J.P. looked over me and he says, Hey, is he, he says, i got to tell you, I, I really thought we played well tonight. Our line. He says, I just can't figure this out. I said, I know. It's the way it goes. And he was saying that because we lost six five, Del Vick, got a three, Malwus got a two and I got a one. Oh wow. <laughs> but yeah but but for me as a defenseman, I can tell you one line you see me fit mm-hmm. was Dan Makita and Warren and Moans. And I say that because Mikita to me gave the most trouble of anybody. They just named him an investor in Hawks history and I could see why. Because he was able to get the blue line, ride the blue line, and he was so controlling the park and his wings were so fast if you got, it was a three on two, and you one guy played up, you know, because you got to play the puck carrier, and the other guy sort of goes in the middle to cut off the passing lane. He never can cut off his passing lane. He'd always put somebody in for a clear shot on the net. Mm-hmm. But then you got, then you got a Fazito, Hodge, Cashman, and then you got Selvo, <laughs> you know, Cornway, uh, and uh, Ferguson, or they might change it. then you got LeFleur's line. I mean, there's so many good lines. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't say one stood out, but uh, there. And then you got Gretzky's line, you know. And it didn't matter who was on the line. I mean, he'd take a guy like Semenko and get him over 20 goals. But when you had Gretzky, and Curry, as a line, can you imagine yeah. Gretzky getting 212 points or whatever it was, and he lapped his linemate Curry, who had a sensational year? But I think Gretzky had over 100 points more than his linemate.
0: Yeah, that's and right.
1: That's unbelievable.
0: I know, I know, and, and to your point too. What's phenomenal about that success was they they had a a protector in Semenko on the the wing, who yeah. was probably what an okay player, but not. I mean, can can you imagine in yeah. 2019 telling Sidney Crosby or Connor, okay, to protect you, we're going to put this big guy on your line, and he's sort of going to have hands of stone, but he's going to be good, for, you know, for your
1: line. Yeah. And by the way, when you put when, when they put those two guys, Malka and Crosby together whoever you could put a the stone there too, you still get the same thing. And how about Lemieux and Yarder on their line when they had it in Pittsburgh? I mean yep. they're they're hockey fortunate. They've had an unbelievable amount of good players, good lines throughout the history that uh, you just you just, you know, love to see.
0: Explain because th- this is going to be Frustrating for me as a fan of this game, and, and I think that they're going to work very hard to miss the playoffs again. The Edmonton Oilers, to me, Connor McDavid, Louie, and we, we've talked about this before. But I, as a hockey fan, I desperately want to see this kid play in the spring. And I thought that they had things turned around after the coaching move, but it looks like now they're sliding backwards again.
1: They are, and they got they got some good forwards there, and Drysdale and Jim Hopkins with them. They never really got the goaltending and defense settled where he could be good enough, or you know, even even a little better balance on the third and fourth lines. But uh, it's it's incredible that that could happen because, as you said, he, he is the best player in the game probably today. Yep. And and uh, most people will tell you he's the best player in the game. And and the other guys like Settle and Woodson Hopkins, very very good players. And it, it doesn't look good for them to make the playoffs.
0: But is finding defense that hard? I, I get that that trying to find outstanding defensemen is difficult. But they've had so much time here and so many draft picks. I would think that that you could find serviceable players who could at least. And I'm not even talking about you know being atop the Pacific Division. I'm talking about a wild card as a seven or eight seed.
1: Well, I just remember go back a few years. You want to see a real big difference? Not that he good defense, but he's, he's one of their better ones, but he certainly wasn't worth Taylor Hall. They had Taylor Hall on the team as well. I know. And the year they drafted the Russian forward was no longer in the league. Uh, Number one, Taylor, and Adam Larson were number two in the jersey. Had they just taken Larson in, they would still had Larson on defense, who is good, but he's certainly not Taylor Hall, and they still would have Hall up front uh, with with that floor line.
0: Yep. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Exactly. The Anaheim Ducks, also a difficult team to uh, try and f- figure out what the heck is up with them. They start off awful, and, and I know that there were uh, there was speculation out there that Carlisle was going to be fired as coach. They rebound and play well, and now they've lost eight consecutive games. And by, by the way, Lou, there are currently three teams in this league on eight-game losing streaks, including the Flyers and Senators.
1: Right, and— uh it's hard to believe because just when you think they're, they're coming back and they're going to be consistent hockey teams, then the team goes for that kind of loss. Well, the anti-inducts lost Corey Perry, who's still a pretty good player mm-hmm. for the season, Great right away at the beginning of the year. And you do have to realize that they are getting a little older up front. They're key guys. Uh, their goaltending was spectacular for a long time. Gibson, and all of a sudden, now they're going on a, a mid-game losing streak. I think it was Gibson was in there.
0: Yep. But
1: but, but uh, they uh, uh, they are an enigma because they do have some other good forwards on that team, or Cal and Silverberg. Uh, I mean, it, it, that, that's what's really uh, you know mind-boggling about the league. Just when you think your know, team's going good, something happens and they they're out of it for a while. So uh, it's not going to be the wild who are only experiencing the kind of roller coaster the rabbit season. It's gonna be a lot of teams. And and a lot of teams we're getting to the point right now where a lot of teams are gonna be looking to say, okay, where do we go for the future? And I, I think you're gonna see more deals coming early than late this year because some of these teams seem like they're right out of it, you know? They are early. Yes, exactly.
0: Your your best guess, give me your your prediction, the first three big names to get moved. Teresinko, you think, gets moved well, early?
1: I think that... Uh, I think, you no, know, I think uh, Zuccarello will be the first one to go. Rangers, right? Yep. I think that uh, Teresinko could be. Um, you know, it all depends with Dushane and how hard decides decide to go with Dushane. He could be the third one. Mm-hmm. Kevin Hayes, I think the Rangers got to sign him. He's out three games. Just look what's happening when he's out. So, I, I if, he, if, if they're not going to sign him, he'll be the next one moved because... He's been the best player uh, this year, and uh, you know when when you look and I think Simmons from from Philadelphia would be gone. Definitely, yes. And and, and uh, I don't know you you might it all depends what a team needs, but you might see a guy like Getzlaf going to a team on the bubble, mm-hmm. you know, from Anaheim, and then thinking they might as well start building up, and Getzlaf could be an important player in the playoffs the way he plays. Are are you growing concerned? Not even Getzlaff. Even more than that, Kessler. Kessler might go even before him. Okay. You know, Kessler is the type of player who's been so good to them so long that they want to just keep him in the organization. Right. He's been sensational. But if they really want to get something for a player, he's a guy who could draw it because he's still a very good player.
0: Are you growing concerned at all? that if the Wild continues to be up and down here and has a decent run of success, that there might be a temptation to make a move that would mortgage any part of the future to try and get in the playoffs and make a run?
1: Well, I'm not concerned. I mean, right now, I got to tell you, I'm not so certain, and I I don't know, but I wouldn't go higher than the third-round pick. But if I'm the Wild right now, uh, I might look at, Zuccarello for a third run, he's not playing nearly like he can and he's you know, he's you're probably not gonna sign him, but he might be the difference in making a playoffs if that's what they want to do. They wanna make the playoffs. Because uh I think if he comes in and he's that one on the line too, he's really good with the puck, he can make plays, he's good in the power play. He's thirty one years old, he's making four and a half million dollars, which means uh you know, half the year's gone it's $2.5 two and a half million. And I kind of think that with the cap space Rangers got, you could probably get him for a million dollar salary. Make the Rangers keep a million, and and if you can give up a third round and get him, it might be something you're thinking about. Hmm. Although you want to keep your for, first. but usually if you want to make the playoffs, then it's a different thing. Then then you get a guy like that for you know at the beginning of the year they thought they were going to get a first round pick, but right now I could tell you when they're getting the first. They might get a second. And they sure would get a third somewhere.
0: Last things, uh, sir. Draft pick wise, Jack Hughes is how special?
1: He's really special, but those so that finished your couple. Uh, yeah,
0: he's not too bad, is he?
1: Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be one of those uh, Eichel, uh, Eichel, uh, Connor McDavid years. But uh, he's he's really he's a good looking player. Boy, he's he's got great skill. he will be a terrific player. I I kind of look at him like an Eichel player.
0: That's not too bad. So if if the pick was yours, do you take uh, the kid from? Finland or Jack Hughes?
1: Well, I haven't seen him enough. I would agree now I'd say Jack Hughes, only because I've seen him much more. I've seen him, you know, for a couple of years now with the U.S. national team and and in the World Tournament. But i got to tell you, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad if I got the couple. <laughs> no, you wouldn't be. I think his name is Cowboy. I think he's going to be a heck of a player, and he's a big finish kid. He might be like Le- Patrick Laney from Finland. Remember that Matthews and Laney? So you got he's
0: not too bad, Lou. Yeah, you're going to. not too bad. You're
1: going to get a quality player, that's for sure.
0: All right, sir. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Lou Nanny. All right, nice talking to you. Thanks. All right, yeah, bye. Bye-bye.